Hi, my name is Erin Kinzel, and I think personal growth sucks, but I also can't stop pursuing it, and it's produced some amazing results in my relationships, my career, my emotional and physical health, and basically every other area of my life. So the truth is that I don't always think it sucks, I just don't like the uncomfortable, scary, and awkward parts. On this podcast, I invite you to join me and my friends as we talk about personal growth the hard parts, how we're leaning in despite how awful it can be, what we're learning, and most importantly, how we're moving forward. We'll share the resources and tools that are helping us, and you'll get to listen in as we encourage each other and hopefully encourage you too along the way. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of Personal Growth Sucks. And this season, we've been talking all about curing procrastination. Um, And as I start off this episode, I need to just acknowledge I kind of disappeared for two weeks. Um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about my just my own personal growth journey in the past month and um, related to this podcast, related to procrastination, and then get into wrapping up this season all about procrastination. And today's topic that I really want to focus on is on loving the procrastinators in your life. So first of all, I was supposed to have a new episode out two weeks ago. I've been publishing episodes every two weeks. And, um, you know, coming out of uh, having been on vacation over uh, the Thanksgiving holiday and then going into December and making it all the way through the holidays, with my family and Christmas break and all those kinds of things. And then trying to jump into the new year has been a real challenge for me. And so it would have been, uh, was it two weeks ago? Was it a month ago? I don't know. I forget how off schedule I am at this point. Um, But I think it would have been two weeks ago that I came to my office and I sat down to record a podcast and I got into the middle of it and it just felt off. And I kept going back to my notes and I would get in the middle of saying something and think, oh, I don't really like where this is going. Or I launched into these really like deep stories about some things that I was like, does that even relate? And I like my brain just felt all over the place. And then I had this moment of, I don't know that I want to call it a panic attack, Um but I just like could feel the anxiety on me as I was trying to record. And um, there came a point where I was like, I have to take a break. And so I, I shut everything off, went outside, got some air, and I thought that I would come back to the podcast. And then I was like, you know what? If I just need a day, I need a day. And if it's not going to drop on Thursday on the normal schedule, then it's just not. And then um, a day became two days and became three days and became a week. And then I started to have this, um, oh, like a, um, this shame feeling, I guess is what it would be. Like how ironic that it feels like I'm procrastinating on the very last episode of a season about procrastination. <laughs> it just felt so, oh, I don't know, I just had all the feelings about it and um, and trying to not get into that shame, you know, spiral with it, but yet kind of exploring like, well, what is this about and why does it feel that way? Um, and then, you know, for two weeks, this constant, like, I got to get back on track, got to get back on track. And, um, and it's just been really hard across all areas of my life. And part of it is I have... Um, you know, I have an appointment with my doctor this week. There's a health challenge that's looming on the horizon and I'm going to get some blood work results back. And so my brain, I think, is preoccupied with all of that. And, you know, there's just there's just a lot of stuff in my brain at the moment. And so trying to process through some of that and trying to figure out how do I address that here on the podcast um, has been difficult. And I tend to get in my brain when I get overwhelmed, like I get so much into my um, thinking and analysis of things and wanting to, um, like really just wanting to analyze 
what's happening here and why and what do I do about it? What do I say about it? And what went wrong and what could I have done differently? And um, and so, I, you know, I don't want to go too deep into all of that because I think that's where I get tripped up. I really don't need to analyze all of the things. It is helpful to look inward and to see what's happening under the surface. But this thing of like, how could I have kept this from happening, I think is a real trap that I get sucked into a lot. And this thought that if I had only done it perfectly, then I wouldn't have had any anxiety. I wouldn't have been behind. I wouldn't have missed publishing. I wouldn't have um, had feelings about what that meant for me or what that said about a season about, about procrastination. So there's this whole thing of like, if I had done it perfectly, I could have avoided all of the challenge of this. And uh, that's a lie. That's a lie that I've given into so many times in my life. And the truth is, is that there are times we get tired. There are times when uh, we just don't have it in us. Or there are times when it's time to take a break. Times when it's okay that you just can't do the thing. Um, or, you know, just the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean I did it wrong. So anyway, there's just so much that I could say about that. One thing that I have really come around to in the past two weeks as I've been thinking about this is to realize that this idea of curing procrastination is more to do with a mindset than it is to do about a behavior. And what I mean by that is that there is a way of framing this situation where I can totally be in the courtroom with it. So going back to episode one of this season where I talked about being in the courtroom versus being in the laboratory and the courtroom would say the judge and the jury and the little prosecutor in my head would say that this is evidence that I really don't actually have anything productive to say about procrastination and that the fact that I um, abandoned the final episode and like put it off for two weeks is the ultimate um, verdict on me having any leg to stand on when it comes to talking about procrastination. And that's one way of framing it. Another way of framing it is is to say, and and I touched on this in at least one episode. I forget what episode it would have been, but to say, you know what, this is a thing that I'm doing. The the podcast is a thing that I'm doing and I get to choose whether to do it or not to do it. And like, no one's going to die if I don't publish an episode. Um, And so ultimately I do get to pay attention to my rhythms and my energy and my um, ability to get this done. I don't have to push myself. I don't have to, um, Like I get to make the rules with this. And so if I get to a place where I am feeling anxiety and I just like my choice is either to push through and publish it or or to say, you know what, I can take a break from this. I get to choose how to prioritize this in my life. And right now there's other things that are screaming for attention in my mind and in my body. And so I get to choose to delay for two weeks until I feel like I can come back to this with a clear head and um, and have something productive to add to the conversation. And so that's what I did. And I can reframe it and say, um, yeah, maybe I disappointed some some listeners, maybe maybe you're feeling disappointed that there was a missing episode, uh, but I felt like it was it was more important to be authentic and more important to take the break if I needed it, and to trust that I would come back around to it when I was able to do that and when it made sense to do that. So uh, so anyway, here I am, and I don't know if I've you know said the perfect things about it or like if I've really expressed internally all the things that I've thought about saying over the past two weeks or um, I don't know but I guess this is me just showing up and saying this is part of my growth process too and for me part of it is 
being able to truly own this and to um, own the decisions about it and be able to disappoint people sometimes. And I had a conversation with two of my friends about this where I was saying maybe, I don't know, maybe it's important for me to just take a break and to practice the idea that I'm disappointing people and and I still get to come back and show up and and keep making the podcast. Um, and to really get over that part that, you know, the the internal rule that I have or the internal soundtrack I have that says that I'm not allowed to disappoint people. I'm not allowed to make decisions that would um that people would disagree with or people would have a problem with. And here I am just disappearing for, you know, for two weeks and um, and saying, well, that's just the decision I'm going to make. That's just where I am. That's just what has to happen. And that in and of itself is a practice for me of being able to show up in the world in a new way. So I don't know if this resonates with you. Uh, you know, maybe you're someone that has trouble disappointing people. And I think an important lesson for me in this is to see that it's not going to implode. And my hope is that showing up authentically is like, that is probably my highest value with doing this podcast is to show up authentically. And so, um, so here I am, that's what I'm trying to do, trying to practice. And you know, uh, oh, that relates even to my relationships, like my work in relationships is showing up with my whole self, even the part of me that is imperfect and trusting that I still have value. I still have worth. People still want to be connected to me. And I still like, it doesn't disqualify me from having success in life when I can't do it perfectly. And that's something that I've really struggled with my whole life is disqualifying myself when I don't do it perfectly. And then like sitting back and assuming disconnection from people when really they still would like to be connected with me. So I think this is a lot of what Brene Brown talks about, um, you know, in her very first TED talk about shame is people just believing that they are worthy of connection is what makes them um, worthy of connection or what that's what makes them or gives them the ability to move beyond shame is just the belief that they're worthy of connection. And um, so that's my practice today, showing back up here to wrap up this season on procrastination. So in all of that, I hope one thing that this models is that I this is where I don't think we ever cure procrastination. It's just that we reframe it. We can have a new relationship with it and we can uh, reframe things that we would have labeled as procrastination as saying as different things. So I don't know what, what would this be? Um, self-care maybe, um, being aware of my needs and then being able to lean into those needs instead of, um, being tied to some kind of a schedule that is arbitrary, um, giving into the story that my most important value is being productive and producing something on a consistent schedule so that people aren't disappointed Um, and being able to say that actually isn't the most important thing is for me to be productive. Uh, It is okay to have a season of rest in the midst of this. And so reframing it as that um, is something that helps me move forward even in how I approach future tasks. So it's almost more about my relationship to productivity and my relationship to how I view my value and my worth when it comes to accomplishing things and accomplishing tasks. Um, More, you know, it seems to me that that is more of the core issue. And what is my mindset around that? And if I have a mindset that says productivity is the highest value, productivity is the thing that gives me worth with other people, then when I am not productive, it is going to be framed in a negative manner and probably it's going to be labeled as procrastination a lot of the times. So as we lean into this episode of how to love the procrastinators in your life, that is 
is the very first thing. And I would say uh, this includes loving yourself. If you're a procrastinator, how to love yourself and how to love the people around you, whether that be family members or friends or coworkers, um, acquaintances, you know, people that you serve on committees with or, you know, whatever, you probably have people in your life who procrastinate on things and it drives you a little bit bonkers sometimes, um, including yourself. And so how do we, how do we love those people? And sometimes it's hardest to, to love the people who are closest to us. And a very first thing is to remember that their worth does not lie in their productivity. And and also their worth doesn't lie in how they accomplish the task, whether it's the most efficient way or the most strategic way or the most perfect way. Um, their worth is intrinsic beyond how they are accomplishing those tasks. Another thing that it's really important to recognize when it comes to loving the procrastinators in your life is to remember some of the things that we've talked about this season, that it's not uh, it's not just about the task. Often it is about some layers of things that are around the task. And it's about the ecosystem. I've talked a lot about this, that there is a whole ecosystem. And so sometimes there is a gap in understanding how to do a particular thing. That's part of the ecosystem. Is the skill set there? Do they have the tools they need to do the task? But also part of that ecosystem is the emotional side of things. Is there anxiety around this? Is there hidden conflict here? Um, hidden conflict is, I think, a big one because I I see this in in myself from ways that I was responding as a kid to people around me and adult authority figures procrastination was a way of having power over those people and knowing that ultimately I was going to have to do the thing that they wanted me to do. But if I could take up space and time with it, um, it was a subconscious way of expressing conflict. And, um, you know, especially as like a, a teenager, I don't know that I ever really fought with my parents, um, but because I don't think I allowed myself to do that, um, I think that was my Enneagram 9-ness there of, of just not, um, you know, it's just not okay to have open conflict, but procrastination became a way of expressing my dissent uh, in a situation where I really didn't allow myself to even acknowledge that that I was uh, that I had an opinion about things or that I was angry about something. And it became this hidden way of of expressing conflict with other people. Um, and again, it was very subconscious. I don't think that I was aware of, you know, of saying like, oh, I'm gonna take up as much time with this task as possible so that I can drive mom crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't think that crossed my mind, but it was very much an internal hidden reason for doing that. So recognizing that the procrastination is, it's not just laziness, it is not uh, ignorance. So for example, um, you know, my my daughter's, not cleaning their rooms is it's not because they don't know how to. Um, there are a lot of layers of emotional stuff that's happening around that and relationship stuff that's happening around that also. And so, you know, another thing that I want to bring into this conversation and because of what happened two weeks ago, I'm coming into this with not a lot of notes. I'm trying to just be really organic with how I'm saying this. And so I'm kind of aware of like, am I going to get everything in? Is it going to make sense? Is this going to be coherent? I don't know. So I feel like I have this extra layer of like uh, being self-conscious about that. So anyway, I guess I just want to put that out there. Um, I'm just kind of wandering. I feel like I'm wandering around this conversation more than usual because I don't have my notes. Um, but another thing that I want to bring to this is that with procrastination, 
One of the biggest things that you can do to love the people in your life who struggle with this is to give them space to do the task and give them space to do it the way that they want to do it. And in that, there's some work on your part where you have to decide what are the parameters. And one of the worst things that you can do is try to micromanage what's happening with them. Because what that does is it either frustrates them and it just drives a deeper wedge and a deeper... um, like a deeper stubbornness on their part to say, I'm going to dig my heels in and not do this the way that this person wants me to do it. Um, Or micromanaging can reinforce a learned helplessness with people or reinforce to them that um, I actually don't have freedom to do this task the way that I want to. And so there's just this apathy that comes with that. And that does not lend itself towards any kind of energy to get the task done. It really just creates a quicksand for for people that they get stuck in. And one thing for me that I was reflecting on as a kid is that I think somewhere deep down, what I learned um, as a coping mechanism or as a strategy was that if I was given a task, um, especially being, you know, the youngest by a lot in my house, if I was told to do something that it was very likely that whoever came to check up on me was going to tell me that I had done it wrong or that there was going to be some kind of disapproval. Like, oh, well, you did these five things, okay, but here are the 10 other things that you should have actually focused on as a part of doing this task. Um, And so what I learned was if I wasn't really clear, if there weren't specifics, if I didn't know exactly what needed to be done, I might as well not do anything. And then, because it would be a waste of energy, because often I would come, you know, to to find out that they really wanted me to focus on these five other things or that I just hadn't I just hadn't done it right. And so at that point then I I would get the information I needed um and it would be attached to disappointment. Like the way I filtered it at least was, you know, people would be disappointed that I hadn't done it correctly. And then either they would do it for me Or I would, at that point, get clarity on what they actually wanted done. And so I just kind of learned if you wait, like if I put energy into this task and I spend an hour working on it, and at the end, if the end result is that no matter what I've done, there's going to be disappointment and disapproval and further clarity on what actually needs to be done, then why would I spend an hour putting energy into it? (laughs) Like it's a total waste. And so it became a really strategic way of like playing my cards, so to speak. Um, And like if I didn't know what the actual rules were, I might as well hang on to all my cards and not try to win until I know what actually needs to be done to win. And so uh, that's just something I want to put out there too, is that if you have someone in your life who you are in a battle with, (laughs) with procrastination, it could be that they know that you're either going to step in and do it for them or that there's not, somehow there's not actual freedom for them to do the task as they see fit. And, And when you don't have that, like I said before, it really lends itself to either apathy or anger. Uh, apathy and saying, well, I, you know, I just don't have energy for this task anyway. And this other person has all the energy for the task. Like they are the ones that actually want me to do it this specific way. And, um, and so there's a whole host of issues there and, and conflict there and, and procrastination that comes in there. Or there's a lot of anger of, you know, people overtly recognizing I'm angry that you want to micromanage this or that you want me to do it this certain way. And then on the flip side of that, there's anger 
um, for like, if you have a task that you need someone else to do and they're procrastinating on it, it is right. And it is, um, it, it makes sense for you to be angry if they're not doing it in a timely manner, especially if it affects you. And so there is there, it's not just like, oh, give people space to do the task on their terms. The, the tricky thing is, is creating boundaries for them and creating clarity and creating consequences to say, here's the task, here are the, um, the most important things about it here, like here are the parameters. So like, if I want you to clean your, your room, here's what that means, right? It needs to be, the floor needs to be clear enough for me or well, for you to vacuum and, surfaces need to be cleared off enough to be dusted and you know all the trash needs to be picked up all the clothes need to be picked up so it's you know finding three to five specific parameters for the task and letting the person know like here's how we know it's going to be done and then giving them a consequence like I'm, I'm specifically thinking of this in terms of parenting and being able to say if it's not done by this time then here's what's going to happen with that um and then just truly letting go and letting them have space and uh where was I going with that oh so this idea that um you might be angry towards people in your life who are procrastinators and and there are times when it the task does affect you. Like I'm thinking of if you're in a work situation and you have an employee who procrastinates all the time um, and then you're the one that has to answer to other people for what's being done or not done, that has real world consequences for you and that for sure would make you angry. Um, in the case of like a kid cleaning their room, it doesn't necessarily have consequences except that this is my house and it's my furniture and my carpet. And so if you're not treating it in a way that honors the fact that this is my property, um, and also as a parent, we are trying to teach our kids, you know, certain uh, skills and behaviors. And so that can get kind of tricky sometimes. Um, And so in that, there's a responsibility here that I have and, um, and a way of stewarding my, Uh, my things and so yeah it is it is right for me to say I want you to do this task and here are the boundaries with it and here are the consequences and so with that and again I don't I don't know if I've said that 100% the best way but um, one thing that I want to bring out in all of this is that some work that you can do that would be really productive if you have someone in your life who constantly procrastinates and there and you have a lot of frustration about it is to really do some thinking, maybe some journaling, maybe some processing with friends about the effect of that procrastination on you. So what happens if this person doesn't do this thing in the way that you want them to or on the timeline that you want them to? And going back to this example of kids cleaning their room, for me, I've had to acknowledge one of my fears is like, what happens if my kids don't clean their room when I want them to? A fear of mine is that it means that they don't know how to clean their room and they're going to grow up and they're going to live in a pigsty. They're going to be on hoarders. They're not going to have the skills that they need to be able to live a productive adult life. They're going to blame me for not having taught them properly, or that I'm going to realize I failed them in some way. So there's a lot of fear about my performance as a parent wrapped up in my kids cleaning their room on a Saturday, which isn't necessarily um, helpful for them, right? And it's not necessarily true. And in that, one of the key things is that I want them to be able to take ownership of the task and I want them to grow in maturity in this. And so the tricky thing is that then um, for me, I've learned, I've had to learn that I have to let go of them completing the task the way that I want them to. Mm, How do I say this? 
So it's less about the task being completed and it's more about the learning opportunity for them. And so in that, it is really important to have the consequence and let them choose to fail and let them experience the whatever the pain is in that failure gap um, so that the next time it comes around, they know, oh, there really is going to be pain and fail in failing in this task. And so maybe I'm actually motivated to do it. And so what I mean by that is um, like a couple years ago, my daughter wanted to redo her bedroom. And I said, you know, I'm not I'm not paying for new stuff for your bedroom when it looks like this. And you're like, you've got to prove to me that you can keep it clean. Um, and there, there were some really specific things that I wanted her to do in her room, some areas that I wanted her to like really declutter and clean up um, in order for her to earn money towards redoing her room. And in the end, she didn't do any of it. And so she didn't do, redo her room. And there was some grief for me in that and some failure of like, shoot, I actually did want her to want to do this. Um, and she didn't. And But then she didn't redo her room. And so that came back around in conversation here recently. And again, it was like, well, here are the things that I will do and here's what I won't do. Um, and if you want anything beyond this, then you've got to earn the money. You've got to figure this out. And, and she did, right? She did this time figure it out. Mostly she figured it out. Um, there's still some areas where, that just drive me crazy. And I'm like, oh, like, uh, like <laughs> it's just frustrating to have teenagers. Um, and so, but just letting it be the gap and that gets to be her choice if she fails and then she gets the consequence. And I've learned that it's actually more compassionate to give people a parameters and a consequence than it is to just constantly nag them or micromanage them because, um, or even to have that, like the disappointment. So to be able to say to someone, Hey, like you need to get this project done. It needs to be done by five o'clock on Tuesday. If it's not done by that time, then you're going to get written up or we're going to have to have a conversation about this or you know, the project is going to go to this other person and, you know, we got to take a look at, um, at your job description or, you know, like there's going to be, you know, thinking in an employment context and a work context, um, having a specific consequence. And then when that time comes and goes, instead of going to that person and being like, did you get the project done? And then saying, well, no. And, and, and you having to nag them or, you know, express disappointment or, you know, there's a lot of like emotional baggage that can come with that. It's more compassionate to just say, okay, well, uh, you know, that was your choice. And now here's the, here's the result of that choice. And to just move on from that and to have it, you know, just be kind of matter of fact, it just becomes more data um, in the laboratory than it does about like, you know, you're guilty of, um, you know, kind of this emotional judgment and baggage of, of knowing that, um, they, that you really wanted them to do this thing and they didn't do the thing and even prolonging it to be like, well, if you can do it by tomorrow, then maybe it'll still be okay. And then you checking on them 10 times throughout the day is just a really frustrating experience for you and for them also. And so I'm coming to value more highly than I used to um, the idea of having boundaries and a consequence and just saying, hey, here's the expectation. And if you don't meet the expectation, then here's what's going to happen. And you really do get freedom to choose how you want to approach the situation. And, you know, where it comes to this thing of like, is it about the task or is it about the growth process? Um, if it's about the growth process, then you give people space to fail. If it's about the task, like if there is a, you know, your report is due for your boss at work and this employee has a, a part of that and um, and it needs to get done, then in that in that case, I say, yeah, it is about the task. Like it is okay to just say, this is about the task. If you don't get it done, I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to do it because I just have to do it. Um, and, and in that case, 
you know, more than micro trying to micromanage them. It is about just getting it done. And that's where sometimes at home, it's like with my kids, like, okay, you got to empty the dishwasher by, you know, three o'clock this afternoon. And if it's about the task, um, because I want to start dinner and I want to start out with an empty dishwasher, um, then I might just go ahead and do it. And then there's some kind of consequence for them versus, you know, uh, what am I trying to say with that? Versus trying to approach it in a, in a different way. Sometimes it's okay for you to step in and just do the thing because that's what you need. And so that's, an, you know, another thought that I have about this is, is really doing this inventory, not just of how it affects you, um, but what is it that you need in this situation? And so, for example, um, if you have an employee who... Um, you have a big project going on and they have a big piece of it and they have to do it by a certain time in order for you to move forward with your parts of it. Um, and you can see that they're not managing their time very well. So say it's a three-month project and you're just kind of, you know, loosely watching what's happening and a month into it, they're not done with some of the key things that you thought they should have been done with. And a lot of times there are these hidden expectations or hidden assumptions where it's like, like we just know how we would approach it. And when we see that other people aren't doing it the way that we assume they would, there's a surprise there. Oh, I thought you would be further along than you are. And then it creates this anxiety of like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do the thing? Are you going to do it the way I want you to do it? And so then there's this kind of like um, hovering that happens where then you start to pay attention more to what they're doing every day and the time that they're spending at the water cooler or the time they're spending on other projects. And it's like, shouldn't you be doing this other thing more than, uh, than, than what you are? You should be focused on my project. And then there's this growing anxiety that it's not going to get done on your timeline and... Um, not just on your timeline, but it's not going to get done by the time it needs to get done or that the way it's going to get done is like sloppy and it's not going to, it's not going to be what you need. And if you can't put your finger on all of that, it just becomes this nightmare of anxiety and hovering and um, maybe stepping into micromanage it a little bit versus being able to say to them or being able to, to, first of all, dial it back within yourself and say, what is it that I actually need from this? And what is the effect on me if this person doesn't get this thing done when they, when I have told them, or if it doesn't get done by the deadline, what is the effect on me? And when you really nail it down to that, um, then you can start to, to put in, you know, some boundaries to say, okay, if it doesn't get done, then that means that I have to spend extra time and I'm going to have to work long hours to finish this project up in order to report it back to my bosses on time. And so there is a real effect on me. It's not just that this person isn't um, doing it the way I want them to do it, but if they don't get it done, that's going to have a real negative impact on me. And so then being able to say, well, what are the boundaries that I need to create and communicate in order to safeguard this thing because our anxiety about that our anger about that is trying to do something for us it's trying to protect us there is a real um, sense there of this is trying to keep me from some kind of pain in the future and sometimes you know in the case of me like worrying that my kids are going to be on hoarder someday that's really unfounded anxiety right (laughs) That's my imagination run amok Um, and needing to come back to a grounded reality that says um, like when my kids get motivated to clean up their stuff, they both know how to clean up their stuff. They're both good at organizing, putting things away, decluttering. Like when they get motivated, they know how to do those things. So it's not about the skill. It's not about whether I've taught them how to do those things. Um, and so even if they end up on hoarders someday, it's not, it doesn't have to be a reflection of my parenting. And again, there's some work of separation there. Like, 
like separation is a theme for me in my life. And it's, you know, been a theme on some episodes of the podcast of like boundaries, separation, differentiation. They are separate from me. They get to make their own choices. And so my responsibility is to have taught them the skill, which they do have. And then I can let go of, or I need to let go of this fear that they're not going to carry this into adulthood the way that I want them to, because they get to make their own choices about that. So, so some of those things of like, what's the effect on me if this, if they don't do this thing, being able to say, okay, here are the unfounded fears and anxieties. And, you know, sometimes there's just anger that a person isn't doing it the way I want them to do it. Um, And separating that piece of it out from what is the effect, like the real effect on me where I do have authority and um, the agency to put a boundary down. And so, you know, in in this case of an employee having a project that's going to have a real effect on me, um, being able to really identify, and this is where I don't like this because I don't like the work of having to be specific and communicate about this stuff. I just want people to know, like, can we just have like a mind meld and like, I just want you to understand it without me having to express it. And so some of my work in this is saying, Aaron, you actually do have to think about what your expectations are and if they're realistic and how to communicate those. Um, and so being able to say to someone like, here are the milestones that I expect to be completed month one, month two, month three of this project. And if we get to the end of month one and you've not completed the milestone, then we're going to be, then we're going to have some weekly check-in meetings to make sure that you're on track with this. Um, and it really is okay for you to be the boss and to exert your authority and to have month, you know, monthly or weekly check-ins to make sure they're doing the thing. And the thing that you have to think about in that case is, are they going to grow where they can take on ownership of those types of projects in the future? Or are they going to need to be micromanaged constantly? And in that case, then there is a, you know, a real conversation about whether they are the right person for the job, because it's exhausting to try and micromanage. So my point with all this is to not get too prescriptive, but just to demonstrate that there is there like there's multiple layers here. And so you have that, you know, the task part of it, you have the emotional side of it, you have the relationship side of it. And in the relationship part of it, you have this issue of freedom and separation and space for someone to have ownership of the task. If you are constantly trying to have ownership of it and own how it's done, then that is only going to keep the cycle of procrastination going in the future. And it's not actually going to help them grow out of it and be able to learn how to take more ownership and have more energy for tasks. Um, another thing that that is a layer of this is... Um, um, especially with parenting, is trying to help people avoid pain. And um, this is something that I've struggled with a lot, is even trying to soothe people's pain or trying to stabilize any difficult emotions around failure of tasks. Um, And so it's a new practice for me to really step step back and let people feel the effect of their decisions. And so if you have someone who's a chronic procrastinator and you are constantly rescuing them from the effect of their procrastination, then there is a learned helplessness there for them because why should they put energy into it if if there's never any consequence for them not taking ownership and not doing it? And so again, there's a lot of internal work there of saying, well, what's my role in this relationship? What's the whole system doing here? It's not just about this person or about me, but there's a whole system that's involved here. And what's going on in the system that is feeding a cycle of procrastination? And how do we create a healthier system? And sometimes that is letting a person 
really feel the effect of their choices and their decision to not do certain tasks. And then with that, there's grief work because it is really hard when you see someone who is talented and capable and you know um, is a smart person and you desire for them to have success in life and to see them making decisions, to see them procrastinating on things and then having consequences of that procrastination, there's grief work to say, I wish that they were doing it differently. I wish they were a different person. I mean, not literally a different person, but I wish that they were approaching this in a different way and that they were making different choices. I wish that they were more motivated. I wish that they wouldn't be apathetic towards these things. And being able to say, to separate yourself from that and say that they actually get to have ownership of those decisions and then to grieve the loss of who you want them to be. And that's really hard. That's been hard for me in some key relationships in my life to really be able to step back and say, I can't make this person do this thing. And it grieves me because I so badly want them to succeed at this. Sometimes for selfish reasons. <laughs> and sometimes it's just because I like I, I do want them to succeed. And it, it feels like they are missing their potential, right? There's so much more potential here that you could be living up to and you're, you know, you're, you're choosing not to and it's hard and it's sad to accept that. And having to step back and say they are their own person, they get to make their own choices, I need to step back and not, um, I need to not attach myself to those choices and I need to be able to truly let go of that and accept that this is the reality that they get to choose whether to do it or not do it. And then to separate myself also from trying to help them avoid the consequences. Now in that, part of loving the procrastinators in your life is being there to support them. And so again, with this, the um, example of, of helping my kids clean their rooms, Um, you know, over Christmas break, one of my kids came to me and said, mom, can you help me clean my room? And I said, yeah, you know, I can do that. Like, what do you need me to do? And she was like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, um, like, I'm happy to help you, but I like, I need for you to give me a specific task. I'm not going to come in there and just like oversee the whole operation. And I knew, like I knew if I just said yes and went into her room um, without her giving me something specific, that I, that it would end up in frustration for me. And I would feel like that I'm just, I'm taking, like now the ownership has been transferred to me for this task and it needs to stay with her. And so, you know, saying to her, like, you have to take ownership of thinking about how you want this to be done. And then saying, well, like if you, it seems like you don't know where to start. Do you want me to help you put together a plan? And so me proposing to her, like here is a specific thing that I could help you with. And she didn't like that. And she said, she she declined my help at that point. <laughs> and then as she was working on her room at different times, she would come out and say, well, can you help me with this thing? I said, okay, yep, yeah, sure. And to go and, and to help her. Um, and there were other times where she would ask for help on something and I would ask clarifying questions and she would get, you know, annoyed and again, decline my help. And so, you know, it was kind of this, this tricky little dance that I had to do with her and just being separate, letting her have ownership of it. Um, and yet being there to support her and to say, yes, I do want to help you. And here are the ways that I'm that I'm willing to help. And so in that, trying to um, be supportive without taking over ownership. That's the tricky part of it. So, but that's part of it too, right? Being there, being supportive, being able to say, yeah, I know it's overwhelming. Um, I know it's hard to have to do this thing. And I know that you can do it. I believe in you that you'll be able to do this. 
So there you have some of my thoughts on what it is to love the procrastinators in your life. We've talked about recognizing that it is a whole ecosystem. It's not just about the task always. Sometimes it is about the task, but it's not always. And to think about the other layers that are there. Think about the ways that this might be about some hidden conflict and and um, and the the fact that micromanaging it often creates a, a an unhealthy cycle with that. Um, either someone digging in their heels uh, and being stubborn, or someone going to the the end of of being very apathetic and unmotivated, um, and really having conflict that they don't even see for themselves, but it is a way of them showing up and, and being able to, you know, assert themselves in the situation in a way that is really passive aggressive. Um, but that is one, one way that procrastination gets used subconsciously. Um, and then being able to recognize what are your needs in this? What is the effect on you? And trying to sort through like what are what are the areas that you can go to that person and either put down boundaries with them, or if it's like a you know a relationship with your spouse, you might go to them and say, hey, like it's your choice of how you do this task. When you do it this way, or you don't do it this way, or when like when you approach it um, in this way, here is the effect on me. And it's really hurtful or it's really hard, you know, having a really honest and vulnerable conversation where you've done some work to identify aside from just like, could you just do this thing Um, and being nagging or or being a micromanager, being able to go to them and and to say, here's the here's the effect on me and here's why it's frustrating for me. And and then here's a boundary that I'm going to put down around this. So understanding where it is that you have needs with it and then thinking about what are the explicit directions that you have or the the explicit expectations that you maybe just want them to understand and they don't. And you do need to do the work of thinking through um, what are the the boundaries or um, not boundaries, but what are the parameters that you have for them in doing this task? And it can't be, you can't have 12 you know, 12 parameters for it. I mean, I guess you could, but that's going to be frustrating in the long run. It's really about picking like, what are the top three things that are most important to you? So like with my kids in their room, you know, you got to pick up all your clothes, get all the trash out of here. And it has to be clear enough for you to vacuum the whole floor. Um, and then, you know, and, and maybe me coming in there afterwards and saying, oh, here's another area. Like, we got to deal with this area too. Let's, you know, I can help you figure this out. Or, you know, I'm, I didn't say this at the beginning, but here's, can we, can you also do this part of it too? You know, like, and being able to approach that as like um, taking ownership of, of what your expectations are versus going into their room versus me going into their room and just being like, Ugh, why didn't you do this thing too? Like this corner obviously needs attention or obviously you should have dealt with, um, you know, all of your craft supplies that are in here. Um, and, you know, there's a, a real shaming, like a, a layer of shame under that of like, you're, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you see this? Why didn't you do this? Versus going in there and saying, oh, I know that I didn't say anything to you about the craft supplies at the beginning. But this kind of is out of hand. Let's we need to get this organized and cleaned up. And, you know, I can help you with that. Or do you, you know, do you need help knowing what to do here? Um, and being able to take ownership of that in a way that is healthy and non-shaming. And then probably the most important thing, or, or at least the, the most important lesson that I've had to learn in my own life both when it comes to me doing my own tasks and when it comes to people in my life who are procrastinating on things that I would rather them not procrastinate on, um, is the separation part of it. And, And being able to say they are people that get to make their own decision about how to do this thing or not do it. They do get to decide not to. And then if it has a real effect on me, then putting down a boundary with that and having a consequence for it. And 
and being able to say like there's a gap here and it's okay for them to fail it's okay for them to choose the consequence it is okay for them to uh, grow up and be on hoarders (laughs) although I don't think anyone ever chooses to be on hoarders but you know that little scenario that plays out in my head like they get to grow up and choose how they're going to live their life in their house and them cleaning their room a certain way while they're in my house doesn't guarantee one way or the other what's going to happen for them as an adult. And so I really have to separate myself from those, the, the you know, anxiety of those imagined outcomes. All right. I don't know if that's exactly everything that I had in my mind to say, but that is... That is what I can think of at this point in time. Um, so looking back over this season, I think I think one of the biggest things that I would want you to walk away from with, you know, oh, this is really bad grammar. One of the biggest ideas that I would want you to walk away with is that this is about a whole ecosystem. And there's an ebb and flow with procrastination and getting being productive, not being productive. I don't think it ever is going to fully go away, but you can change your relationship to it and change the the way that you frame it, the way that you're thinking about it. And so, you know, thinking about that whole ecosystem and thinking about the way that you define things, I think are the two biggest factors in um, being able to come to a healthier space in in, I don't know if it's right to say in, with your relationship with procrastination or in how you think about yourself as a procrastinator or not being a procrastinator. And so I just encourage you to keep looking at those layers underneath of, you know, what's happening emotionally, what's happening relationally, um, thinking about the, you know, making peace with yourself, thinking about your what are your expectations for you and you can't do it all and so maybe you just need to reduce some of the expectation on yourself and and it's not that you're procrastinating it's that you think you should be able to do more than what you can do um thinking about the times when procrastination can be good you know and we are um actually in a helpful way putting things off that don't need to be done right now Um, and thinking about the decision-making parts of procrastination. You know, there's so much about, for me at least, that is labeled as procrastination that is really just about anxiety and making decisions uh, and, and anxiety about moving forward with things. So anyway, those are just some of the topics that we've covered this season. I hope that it's been helpful for you. Um, I would be curious to get feedback if there are specific areas that you would like me to go more in depth on in the future. Um, And again, a lot of this just comes from my own journey of what's been helpful for me. Uh, I, I really hope that you've been able to walk away with, you know, some key aha moments and some key tools and uh, tips that you can use in your own life as you deal with procrastination or as you love the procrastinators in your life. Um, Coming up next, season three is going to be about making friends with anger. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to go back to having a guest on each episode and just having conversations about this and and ways that... um, you know, some of my friends and some of my colleagues, um, the ways that they approach anger and just having some conversations of, of ways to think about it. And so I'm really excited about that. I am going to take a month break and um, at least that's my plan is to be back in a month, just kick off season three and to um, get those episodes underway. Um Yeah, so I thank you for listening today. I know that there's a lot of different ways that you could choose to spend your time. And so it's meaningful to me that you've chosen to listen. And I thank you for being here. If you would like to get to know more about me, you can go to personalgrowthsucks.com. I would love to work with you one-on-one if procrastination is an issue in your life or if there are other pain points where you think, man, it just would be so helpful 
to have a coach help me walk through this in my life, I would love to help you. You can actually go to personalgrowthsucks.com slash schedule to see my schedule and be able to uh, schedule an inter- a free introductory appointment with me. And so I encourage you to do that. If you would like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at personalgrowthsucks or on Facebook at Kinzel Consulting slash Personal Growth Sucks. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, remember that personal growth sucks when you try to do it alone, but together we can cultivate the courage to grow. Let's keep leaning in.